0: Yo, 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 welcome on to the first edition of Jake's Takes. I'm your host, Jake Masucci, and boy, was this a fun day of football. We had two really good games. Right now, I am currently watching the end of the Eagles and the Giants game. The Eagles are up 28-7, so I would normally be recording this after the game, but this game's kind of running away from us, so I just decided to start recording early. But today we're going to go through both these games really in depthly, and I'm going to give you my thoughts on the games and what to expect from the Chiefs and the Eagles as they both look to move forward and look to make their name in NFL history. And we're also going to discuss the games tomorrow, and I'm going to tell you some of the key points to look out for for the game. So we're going to cue the music and get started in a second. All right, welcome back onto the show. And we had some really good football that was on the on tonight. And I'm gonna start by talking about Chiefs Jaguars. Let's get it going. So the Chiefs ended up winning this game 27 to 20. And this was this was probably the better of the two. The um Giants, Eagles game just finished up, and the Eagles won 38-7 in the other game. But the Chiefs winning 27-20. The Chiefs, they looked they looked really good. Uh, their first drive, they went right down the field, scored a touchdown really easily. And Patrick Mahomes looked like one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen in the first drive. This guy was unbelievable. The Jaguars came in wanting to pressure Mahomes. So what we saw was a lot of exotic blitzes and different things of that nature. And Mahomes took it and kind of toyed with it. It was just really impressive what Mahomes was doing. He was moving around in the pocket, making plays with his feet, like just throwing great balls to mostly Travis Kelsey. This Travis Kelsey, Kelsey was unbelievable in this game. He ended up with 14 receptions for 98 yards and two touchdowns. This guy was just ridiculous. He broke the record for receptions in a playoff game, and it was just unbelievable watching Kelsey. I came into the game telling people that the best bet they should make would be Kelsey overs because the Jaguars are the worst team in the NFL against tight ends. But I did not expect this. 14 receptions, that's otherworldly. Like That is really impressive from Travis Kelsey. But I mean, that was kind of part of the Jaguars game plan when you look at it. I mean, when you're making those blitzes, you're going to have people on the backside in man-to-man coverage, and that means having either a linebacker or a safety guarding the tight end. And that's not going to go well when it's Travis Kelsey, and he's that good at pass catching. So it's just really difficult for the Jaguars to stop him, and that first drive, Kelsey had four receptions, and they went right down the field, and Mahomes threw a touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey, and that's what you're going to get, you know? Um, The Jaguars were able to respond, though. They got a long kick return to the 45-yard line. Their kick returning, um, I think it was Jamal Agnew returning. He did really well. He did really well. This guy was really unbelievable returning the ball. He had two returns that were really huge, and that that really helped the Jaguars get down the field and do some stuff, you know, because – They weren't really moving the ball other than that. But the Jaguars then were able to get Etn involved, and he was getting some good carries, and they were able to score a touchdown to tie the game at 7. So that happened, and then we saw Mahomes have another unbelievable drive. Jaguars doing the same thing, blitzing all over the place, trying to make Mahomes beat them, and Mahomes was beating them. He went right down the field again. Jaguars were able to get a sack and force a field goal, but it was 10-7 then. And then after the Jaguars punt, we watched Mahomes get injured. And that was a scary sight for a lot of Chiefs fans because watching Patrick Mahomes get injured, that's like watching your Super Bowl hopes get, get thrown out the window because this guy, that's how much he means to your team. He's easily the most talented quarterback, probably the best quarterback right now in football. And this guy, this guy's unbelievable. This is why I love Patrick Mahomes so much is right after that ankle injury, he he wanted to keep going. He was hobbling around. He was like, I'll play on one foot. I'll just keep going. The competitiveness, this was just unbelievable. Like, I've never seen a player that competitive want to play that much since michael jordan in the last dance stock. that's the last time i've seen somebody this competitive to want to play that much and yes i just compared patrick mahomes to michael jordan that's how much i love patrick mahomes this guy is a competitor and he loves to play football the fact that he threw his helmet on the ground just because andy Reid told him to go into the locker room and get your ankle checked out before you can come back into the game it's just unbelievable, I love it. I love it from Patrick Mahomes and that made me love Patrick Mahomes ten times more than I already did, which was already a lot i I really love that dude. he is just a competitor, and gosh he's he's awesome he's awesome, but anyway, so it's ten to seven here, and Chad Henny comes into the game and I think people were really excited to see Chad Henney. I was kind of excited to see him. Michigan grad, 37 years old, comes back into the game. He already won a playoff game for them in the past. Two years ago, he came in. Mahomes got injured, similar situation. But Henney played the whole game, and he led them to a win against the Browns, which was really cool and really good for him. Anyway, getting back to it, they started around the two-yard line, and Henny went down on a 12-play, 98-yard drive to score a touchdown. Like, Henny looked like he could run the offense perfectly. Like, he looked really good. I was really impressed. Um, Chad Henny just was able to do things, and it was awesome. It was really cool. And Isaiah Pacheco in this game was really good. He had 12 carries, 95 yards. That drive, he did really well, too. He had a 40-yard run in there. And he looked really good, Isaiah Pacheco. Like, the offense was just moving. And the Jaguars, they just struggled. They struggled a lot. After Mahomes, so Mahomes came back in to start the second half. The Chiefs were winning 17-10 to 10 at halftime. And the Jaguars changed their game plan by playing more zone coverage, kind of to try to just make Mahomes beat them just because Mahomes couldn't move around in the pocket as much and things of that nature. And it kind of worked. Like, it slowed them down a little bit. It slowed down their scoring. But the Jaguars couldn't find anything offensively, so it really didn't matter. Trevor Lawrence, he had a solid game, but, like, the Jaguars really like to rely on their screen action, and they use that a lot to, like, it's kind of a way to – get away from the run while still running the football. Travis Etienne in this game had only 10 carries, but he was able to run the ball well for 62 yards and a touchdown. But getting back to the screen plays, those screenplays were just eaten up immediately. They love getting Evan Ingram in the screen. They love getting Zay Jones in the screen. Also Christian Kirk in the screen. And they couldn't find anything. The Chiefs were all over their screenplay, And that was... That was really great game planning by the Chiefs because the Chiefs defense, they haven't impressed me in the past. Last year against the Bengals, I still blame them more than I blame Patrick Mahomes for that loss. But um, the Chiefs defense this year, I like them a lot better. This is why I was really still in on the Chiefs preseason because I really like their draft. They drafted um, Jalen Watson and they drafted someone else who's escaping my name at the moment. But the Chiefs, they're, they really bolstered their defense in that Tyree kill trade, which is why I really like the Chiefs, because I thought they were way more well-rounded with this team. And this defense really showed how they're more well-rounded. They needed to step up because Patrick Mahomes was not 100%, and boy, did they, did they do that. Trevor Lawrence was see, was seeing stuff that he's never seen before, and it was really impressive. They struggled a little bit with the run, The Jaguars had over 100 yards rushing, but passing, like, Lawrence, he had a really good game. I Like, he was 24 for 39, 217 yards, a touchdown, an interception. I think that's a solid game for Trevor Lawrence. Like, I thought he was composed, he was calm, he was making good reads, but they were difficult reads. And the Chiefs were pressuring him all the time. They ended up with two sacks, but the QB hurries – were unbelievable. They were all over the quarterback every single time, which I thought was really impressive. But the main thing that comes down to, that comes down to it for the Jaguars in this game was they made more mistakes than the Chiefs. They had five penalties for 40 yards. The Chiefs only had three for 30 yards. They had two turnovers in the game. The, the Chiefs had zero. The Chiefs had the ball for 35 minutes. The Jaguars only had it for 25 minutes. Those are key aspects to winning games. And the Jaguars just couldn't do it today. Every time, every time it seemed like, oh, big play, big play, oh, penalty, bring them back. Things of that nature. Like, it's just difficult to win when something like that happens. So getting back to the game, um, coming, going into the fourth quarter, the Chiefs were leading the Jaguars. It was 20-10. to 10, And the Jaguars started to pick it up. The Jaguars weren't throwing it downfield at all. In fact, in the third quarter, their first pass downfield, they had a deep ball to Christian Kirk, and he dropped it. And Trevor Lawrence might have launched that thing 80 yards because it was an unbelievable throw, and it was right on the money, and Christian Kirk just dropped it. That would have been a touchdown. It would have made the game at that moment. It would have made it 20-17, to and it really would have changed the aspect of the game. But... After that, they ended up getting a field goal and making it 20 to 13. Or no, they they went down and scored. They went down and scored, made it 20 to 17. But right after that happened, Mahomes went into his Mahomes magic and went crazy. He led another one of those drives where he got it, got the ball to Kelsey, and it just looked really good. And he hit Valdez Scanlon for a jump pass touchdown. Patrick Mahomes just looked unbelievable again when they needed him the most, which is unbelievable. And then the Jaguars, just so you know, they came right back at him and tried to punch the Chiefs in the mouth. They had some big, deep plays, and they got in the red zone. It's like, oh, this is a game. It's 27-17. There's about five minutes left in the game. Jaguars can make this a game. And then Lawrence goes and he hits, um, I believe it was, Agnew, I think it was Agnew, he hits Agnew on a um, on a drag route, and Agnew fumbles. Like, there's nothing you can do, man. Like, that's just really tough. That's why I thought Trevor Lawrence, he played a really good game. Played a really good game. And guess what? Things like that happens. Yeah, it was Agnew. Agnew g- caught it was coming in, he was trying to score, and just lost the ball. It happens. It happens, man. Like, I fell for him because he was having a good game. He was returning the ball well. He was doing things. Like, this guy was great on special teams. He looked awesome. But, you know, like, stuff like that happens. It happens, man. So, the Chiefs then started running the ball, running clock, Peterson using his timeouts. Peterson coached a good game. I thought I did not think that it was this loss was because of Doug Peterson. I think it was more just the Chiefs are better. Um, Trevor Lawrence, it was difficult for the Jaguars because there was a lot of O-line miscommunication. Their their right guard really struggled to communicate. And there were a few times where Chiefs just have wide open pass rushers. And it was really difficult for um, for the Jaguars to communicate and kind of see it through. And that's why Lawrence really struggled. Um, the play I'm really talking about is on the last drive where the game where you knew the game was over. And that was when Trevor Lawrence threw his interception, which I don't I don't blame him because Frank Clark had a wide I think it was Frank, Frank Clark, but he had a wide open lane to get to get to Lawrence. And Lawrence in that situation, yes, you gotta get the ball off. You don't love it coming into coverage, but like It's just a split-second decision. I don't mind the decision, but, you know, like, it is what it is. Jalen Watson made an unbelievable interception with the one hand. And, you know, like, it happens. It happens, man. Like, it's just difficult. It was Jalen Watson with the pick. But it's just difficult. It sucks for the Jaguars. Um, I thought they were a really good team this year and I think that Jaguars fans should be really happy with how this season went for you guys. You guys, in my preseason predictions, you guys were second to last in the division, and I expected you guys to be one of the worst teams in football. I wasn't expecting much, but that was coming off of Urban Meyer. Doug Peterson comes in in his first year. You guys go 9-8, and you win your division, and you win a playoff game. And that last week playoff game, may have been one of the most memorable playoff games we've seen in a long time. You guys have every right to be really happy with how things are going. You guys look unbelievable. Unbelievable, I'm telling you. Like it was it was awesome. It was awesome. This is an awesome season for you guys. And guess what? Something that nobody's talking about, you guys get Calvin Ridley next year. Add that to this. Add that to this. You got Zay Jones, who had an unbelievable year. Evan Ingram, who looks like one of the best tight ends in football. Christian Kirk, who actually quietly had seven receptions for 52 yards on 14 targets. Yes, you want him to catch the ball more, but that's still an unbelievable game. He had your touchdown, too. He was great in this game. And you have Marvin Jones. And you don't even use Marvin Jones. Now you add Kelvin Ridley to this mix. All these weapons for Doug Peterson in the future. It's just going to be awesome. It's going to be absolutely awesome for you guys. I'm very psyched for the Jaguars' future, and you guys you guys will be okay, okay? This was not a game you were supposed to win. The fact that it was a seven-point game, kudos to you. Awesome job, Jaguars. All right, we're going to move on. We're going to go Giants-Eagles, and this was not the game I was expecting at all. I really wasn't. And it started out from the beginning of the game. The Eagles just came in and really just smashed them in the mouth. Like, completely. It was unbelievable. So, the Eagles got the ball first drive. They went right down the field, scored a touchdown immediately. Jalen Hurts was perfect. And the run game just was going. And I was like, okay, okay. Okay, Jalen Hurts looks good. That's good. Because Jalen Hurts was dealing with a right shoulder injury. And I was really nervous about that. I was telling my friends, I'm like, I would pick the Giants in this game. Like, the Giants coming in, they looked really good against the Vikings. Like, they're good. They're really good. They've seen the Eagles. They came in with their backups and almost beat the Eagles with their starters. Like, they're a really good team. I would watch out for the Giants. I think this is an upset waiting to happen. And guess what? I fell for the Kool-Aid because like it just didn't look good. And it started out with their first drive. Daniel Jones starting out strong, going perfect. They try they try to run, get stopped. Or no, 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 no. Screw that. Screw that last part. They, Daniel Jones gets sacked. It's fourth and eight. Okay. And it's a big decision. And Dayball's like, it's like near the midfield, you know, like you could go for it, you could not. Dayball's like, we're going to go for it. I'm like, okay, I don't mind this decision. This is a Brian Dayball decision. And he's a really good coach. So I respected the decision. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. And it was incomplete. I'm like, ooh, that might not be good. And. It was not good because Jalen Hurts took it, went right down the field, another touchdown. 14-0, just like that. And you're like, yikes, this might start getting away. Then, two plays later, Daniel Jones tries to throw a stick route, and James Bradbury makes an unbelievable read and picks it off. I believe it was James Bradbury. Let me check real quick. It was James Bradbury. James Bradbury, he made an unbelievable read on the play and picked it off. And I'm like, okay, this is not looking good at all. And they were able to stop the Eagles. But at the end of the first quarter, Jalen Hurts was perfect. And I was like, gosh, if this continues, this is not going to be good for, for me at all. And, boy, did it continue throughout the whole game. It was unbelievable. Like, the Eagles' offense was flowing on all cylinders. They were throwing read options at you. They were throwing it. Like, Jalen Hurst was throwing the ball. His shoulder looked fine. I don't care what anybody says. And the announcer kept saying it throughout the game. Remember, he's not 100%. I don't care if he does. he's not 100%. This guy looked 100%. He was fine. This guy looked unbelievable. He went 16 for 24, ended up with 154 passing and two touchdowns. And he was running the football. I'm telling you, If I had a separated shoulder or whatever the injury was, I would not be running the football nine times for 34 yards and rushing touchdown. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't. But he looked awesome. This guy, this guy's a real deal. And I said it on the last podcast that I thought right now he's better than Josh Allen. And I still take that right now. I think right now he's better than Josh Allen. And that's arguable. Like, I would argue it with anybody. But with the with the way the eagles are playing right now they're unbelievable they i'm gonna just go through their rushing yards because it was ridiculous so kenneth gainwell gainwell really just went off rushing near the end of the game i was like half watching i actually started recording this podcast before the game was even over because it was so bad but gainwell he had 12 carries 112 yards and a touchdown miles sanders 17 carries 90 yards No touchdown, but he looked really good. That's five yards a carry. You take that. Jalen Hurts, nine carries, 34 yards, a touchdown. Boston Scott, six carries, 32 yards, a touchdown. All those Eagles fans, they're calling him the giant killer. Yeah, he had a touchdown that anytime touchdown bet, everybody should hit. But um, I don't hit because I don't bet. So now let's talk about the Giants. What does this mean for them? Like. People were like, this team could beat the Eagles, right? Well, at the start of the game, I was, I really liked how the O line was playing. And then it like completely changed. It completely changed. Evan Neal really struggled at the tackle position. I love Neal coming out, but he really struggled. The Eagles, the Eagles pass rusher is just ridiculous. Hassan Reddick. Just destroyed Evan Neal. Absolutely destroyed him. He looked unbelievable. like, And I didn't hear much about this guy throughout the year. But this guy was all over the place in this game. And I was like, okay, I got to know who this guy is. Because he's a really good player. And he showed why he's a really good player. He just, he was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And the Eagles just, they were just more physical, stronger had better play calling they were just way more prepared i think Dayball went into the situation like okay we're making we're gonna do a similar game plan to what we did in week 18 and i think sirianni had had the play like okay we're gonna play this way we're gonna wait for Hurst to be back and once Hurst gets back we're gonna do stuff completely differently we're gonna run him a lot because in their week 18 game he was throwing the ball all the time he wasn't running he wasn't ready like there was a lot it wasn't the Eagles and then the Eagles turned it on and showed that they can still play like the Eagles and that's why this is scary like, this is scary if you're the 49ers or the Cowboys, whoever wins this next game. This is scary because the Eagles are back, and they look good. They look really good. Hassan Reddick ended up with three QB hits, tackle for loss, one and a half sacks, four solo tackles, five total tackles. This guy was ridiculous throughout the whole game. Absolutely ridiculous. Really looked good. And I talked about Sirianni, and I gave him a lot of credit for the game plan. <sighs> But man, this guy's got to stop like celebrating and doing all this and acting like he's this young buck that that knows everything and can do whatever he wants. It's it's really annoying. He looks arrogant out there. He really does. Um, when I become a coach in my future, and it'll be in basketball, just so we are all clear. But I will not be celebrating with my team and acting like acting like I'm the reason that this is happening. You gotta act calm. Cool and collected. You don't you don't be jumping up and down, you don't be cussing out the ref or like I mean you can cuss out the ref sometimes, but like you don't have to like make a scene, you know? Like that's not what coaching is. Coaching is putting guys in the right situation, giving them the credit and doing all that. You're stealing their screen time. That's for the players. For you, your job is to coach the game and win games. That's your job. That's your job flat out. I love I love what Sirianni does, like his balanced play calling and stuff. He's a really good coach, and I really respect him for that. But I just wish he wouldn't, like, steal as much camera time as he does because it's really annoying, especially when he was doing it to the Lions and mostly because I'm a Lions fan. But, like, I was just like, dude, shut up. Like, come on. You know, I, I didn't love that. Um, But I think he's a really good coach and he's doing some really good things. All right, back to the Giants. Let's talk Giants. The Giants' defense looked horrible. I don't know what happened because last week they looked great. Dexter Lawrence was awesome last week. But this week they couldn't stop anything. Like, I know they're not very good against scrambling quarterbacks and they don't have really good rankings, but like, Wink Martindale was supposed to make this Giants defense really good. But today he just looked really bad. I mean, I was so talking about Wink Martindale, getting back to him. He has the highest blitz percentage in the NFL come in. And in these two playoff games, he didn't really show the blitz very much at all. And it's like, then what's your identity? Like their identity just went completely out the window. And it's like, dude, you got to stick to your identity. If you want to be a blitzing team, you got to stick with it. I don't care if you're going against the best teams in the NFL. This is how you this is how you win, you know? I guess the Vikings, I guess, is a good, good game plan because then you're making Kirk Cousins second-guess himself. But Jalen Hurts, he's a top-five quarterback in the NFL. And I know you're not sure if you're expecting it or anything, but, like, if you're blitzing Jalen Hurts every play, if he's not 100% like everybody's saying – that should like hurt him a little bit, and like hurt his reads and speed him up, and you know then you can get to whatever you want to do. But like I just don't think he prepared well for this game. I don't think the Giants were prepared. I love Day Ball, but I don't think he was prepared. Like he had no idea how to how to score on this defense, on this Eagles defense. The Eagles defense looked unbelievable, unbelievable, and Day Ball had no idea. How how to stop it? Because Daniel Jones didn't look good. He couldn't get to his run because they were already down twenty eight nothing when the run when he realized the run game was going to work a little bit. Because Saquon ended up having a good game. He ended up having nine carries for sixty one yards, which is pretty good. But he couldn't get Daniel Jones going on the run. Matt Breida actually had a solid game with four times twenty three yards. They couldn't get the run game going until too late. And um. I think Dayball, in the back of his mind, he wants to have a quarterback that can throw the ball a lot, which is why he was throwing Daniel Jones on some screens and stuff like that. But, like, right after Jones throws his pick, you're down 14 0 and this game's running away from you. So, like, why not keep passing? But, like, you don't have to start the game with passing if you got Daniel Jones as your quarterback. Because, yes, Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. But I don't think he's an elite quarterback that you can pass 30 times, 30 to 35 times a game with. I think you have to keep him more on the 20 to 25 and run him maybe 10 times as well. But um, for the Giants this year for you guys, it's awesome. It's really a great year. A lot of people didn't expect anything out of you. I was one of your believers. I just wanna, I just wanna throw that out there. On my podcast, I had them uh, second to last in the NFC East. I did not have them in the playoffs, but I had them second to last. I had them better than the Commanders. They ended up second to last in the NFC East. I was right about that. But boy, the the Giants this year—they really impressed a lot of people. And Dayball is an unbelievable coach. I love Dayball. I really do. I think he's a great coach. He puts people in the right spots. With this roster, what he did with this team is awesome. Unbelievable. Unbelievable stuff from Dayball. And with the Giants, I feel like you just got to go get more talent. You really do. You have no receivers. Your best receiver is Isaiah Hodges, and he had one reception for three yards. Richie James had seven receptions for 51 yards. And Richie James on any other team – would not be doing anything, right? He'd barely be involved in the pass game. You need to give Daniel Jones some receivers that he can rely on. That is your way to become a better football team. And then defensively, you got to figure out an identity. Like Wink Martindale, if you want to blitz, blitz. Do it every game. Or change it up. Like, figure something out. Like, get an identity on that side of the football. and. I like the Giants. I really do. And I think they're going to be good again next year. But they got to figure some stuff out on the coaching. And I think Daniel Jones has got to become a little bit of a better quarterback. But this is a great year for the Giants. You do not expect to go 9-7-1, win a playoff game, win a great playoff game at that against the fraudulent Vikings, but still a great playoff win. That's That's great for the Giants. Really great. Really great. All right. That wraps up the Saturday games. And I'm going to give a little pre-game look at... Well, not really pre-game because they're going to be tomorrow. But I'm going to give a little pre-outlook. Outlook's the word. I think outlook's the word. on Bills... And Bengals, which is at 3 o'clock tomorrow. And then at 6.30, we got Cowboys and 49ers. I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll be back in a sec. All right, welcome back onto the show. And we're going to start by talking about the Bills and the Bengals. This is going to be a really good game. I'm really excited for this one. It's going to be a three o'clock on CBS. So now the odds we got here, it's Buffalo's favored by six points. And this is going to be a very interesting game. I want to first start by talking about the two quarterbacks in this situation. We got Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. Both these guys threw for over 4,000 yards and Both threw actually 35 passing touchdowns with Josh Allen throwing a couple more interceptions than Joe Burrow. But let's talk about these two. So, I want to first start out with Josh Allen. Josh Allen, he has been playing particularly, he's still been playing solid. But I think he's been playing too, what's the word, too aggressive. He's been throwing a lot of interceptions lately, and he's been trying to throw the ball downfield a lot. And the thing is, is he doesn't really need to. Last week, the Bills played the Dolphins, and the Dolphins' starting quarterback was Skylar Thompson. Thompson threw, I think it was 17 for 43 from the field and just didn't have a good game. And the Bills almost lost this game. Really shocking a lot of people. And part of the reason why they struggled so much was Josh Allen would throw deep balls when he did not need to. He was just trying to be the superman while in that game, it wasn't really needed. This game, it might be needed. This is going to be a really tough game. The Bengals won the AFC last year and were your Super Bowl Super Bowl like contenders from the AFC. So in this game, Josh Allen has to limit turnovers, and he has to play. He doesn't have to be Superman. It's just plain and simple. that He's just got to make the right reads. And if you need to lead a game-winning drive, lead the game-winning drive. But any other time, you don't have to be Superman. You just have to play football. Make the right reads and help your team. It's just plain and simple. Josh was just making it way too difficult in the last game. But I trust Josh Allen overall. I think he's an excellent quarterback. He will run the football really well, throw the football really well. He is the top five quarterback in this league. He's unbelievable. He really is. Uh, like, in this game, you're going to see quarterback play like how it should be. So if I had to rank the quarterbacks right now, I'd have Patrick Mahomes. Then I'd have Joe Burrow. Then I'd have Jalen Hurts. Then I'd have Josh Allen. So these guys are all in the top four, Burrow and Allen. I think they're both really good quarterbacks. And I think this is going to be a really fun game to watch. Let's get to Joe Burrow. Okay. When we're talking about Joe Burrow, this guy's unbelievable. Last year, even though they made the Super Bowl and he was unbelievable, he did have a little bit of a sack problem. And yes, a lot of people will go, oh, he had no O-line last year. Yes, you're right. But also, he took a lot of sacks. He'd hold the ball too long. You know, You try to make these decisions, and it just wouldn't go well, right? And what I've heard from a lot of people is Russell Wilson had this same problem. But he was a really good quarterback, so nobody cared. Now, this year, he still has that problem, and guess what? Now, he's not a good quarterback because it's a different system, and people aren't used to it, and – Like, if you're Nathaniel Hackett, let's say, you're used to Aaron Rodgers. He gets the ball off quickly. With Russell Wilson, now he doesn't get the ball off quickly. So, if you're Joe Burrow, you can't continue to play like this, right? Well, this year, he has not played like that. He's been unbelievable. Joe Burrow has gotten the ball off so much faster this year, and his sack rate has dropped significantly. And he has a much better O-line. They did a really cool thing which is their right tackle, they moved him two spots over. So if you look at their alignment, he would be two spots over, and it allowed their pass protection to be even better from it. They did an awesome thing like that. But then what we've been seeing in the past couple of weeks is now there's a lot of injuries on the O-line. You got Jonah Williams down, and you got Alex Kappa down, and they lost another one last week. So three starting O-linemen down injured. That's not good at all. Not good at all. And it really... This is why the Bills line went to minus six. Because a lot of people think Burrow's not going to have any time and he's going to hold the ball. But what I'm telling you is, I think Burrow has matured and grown enough where this, having 3-0 linemen down, it's going to be really hard. But I think it's not going to be a problem. I think he's going to be... Really there, and this is going to be a really tough game for the Bills. Now, getting back to the Bills, let's talk about the Bills defense. Their secondary has really struggled against really good receivers. Um, Their pass defense, let's see. Pass defense, yes, it's at 220 right now, and they just got Tredavious White back. But Jamar Chase is a really talented receiver. And T. Higgins is a really talented receiver. They're both, I think the Bengals probably have overall the most talented receiving core in the NFL. So this is just difficult for anybody to face. And I think this Bills defense is really going to struggle with talented receivers like this. So now another key point to this game is going to be red zone efficiency. And, You know, that's kind of a key to every game. Um, The Bengals are really good in the red zone because they have two of the best red zone playmakers in the league in Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And then the Bills are also really good in the red zone because they have Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis. Playoff Gabe is unbelievable in the playoffs, apparently. Like, this guy's just ridiculous. So, you know, like, this game is really going to come down to the quarterback play, in my opinion. Who can limit turnovers? And who can elevate their team to success against the other? I think Von Miller's absence is going to play a big key in this game because the Bills' pass rush is not the same when Von Miller is not there. So I think, excuse me, I think Joe Burrow will have a good game with Von Miller out and even his old linemen struggling. All right. If I were a betting man, I think my bets for this game would be Bills' first half, Chiefs' second half. And my reasoning for that is the Bills, they normally get off to really fast starts. You saw it in the Miami game. They got up 17-0, and then it's, they got sloppy, and Skylar Thompson came back, right? In this game, I think it's going to be a similar thing because the Bills – They get off to really fast starts, and I think it's going to be a struggle for Burrow to get going at the beginning, getting used to not having 3-0 linemen. And I think it's going to be a struggle for the Bengals' defense at the beginning of the game. But their defensive coordinator has shown us that he is the best when it comes to adjustments. So this guy coming into the second half, I just don't want to see him. I think... He's going to adjust really well. I think Burrow will adjust really well. And the Bengals are going to make a comeback win just like they did in the AFC championship game and the AFC divisional League game last year against the Titans and then the Chiefs. I think this will be a classic one. Burrow will have a game winning drive, and the Bengals will win. That is my prediction on this podcast. On another thing, I said the Bills. So it's going to be a win win for me no matter what. So I like this one. All right, let's get to Cowboys and 49ers. So, last round the Cowboys. They look really good, right? They killed the Bucs. I mean, Dak's back. Like, everything's looking great, right? That's what everybody thinks. But that is not what I think. I'm not there. This matchup preview I'm looking at on ESPN it has got the Cowboys as a 53.8% chance to win this game. I don't know what's going on with these predictors. Like, I don't understand that at all, okay? The the line is minus four 49ers, and I think that's a perfect line. The 49ers, they are a really good football team. Really, really good. Brock Purdy, unbelievable this year. He's come in, and he hasn't lost a game. He hasn't lost a game at all. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, this guy, he's unbelievable. He really is. The 49ers rank first in everything since in on offense since Brock Purdy has come into the quarterback position. That's ridiculous. That's unbelievable. So then you put in McCaffrey, who's who they'll play at running back, they'll play at slot receiver, they'll play him everywhere. Then you put in Debo Samuel, who they'll, they'll do the same exact thing with. And then George Kittle, you add his blocking along with his receiving, and it's really difficult. And Brendan Ayuk's having an unbelievable season. This offense is really hard to stop, really hard to stop. And I really love the Cowboys defense. I think Michael Parsons is unbelievable. But this secondary has not been good. It just hasn't. Like, it looked really good at the beginning of the season, which is why I was all in on the Cowboys to start. And then it got banged up, and it wasn't doing well. And ever since, it hasn't been good. It just hasn't. It really hasn't. There Jermaine, Jaron Curse is going to be questionable for this game, which will really be important because if he plays, that'll really help the Cowboys. He had one of the interceptions on Brady in the red zone last week. But still, I don't love this Cowboys secondary. I really don't. I think you can throw on it, which is, which that's, that's scary. I understand it's Brock Purdy, but like, come on, man. Like, he's played unbelievable this year. I'm not counting this guy out. Now, let's get to the Cowboys offense. So, are we just going to forget about the fact that Dak Prescott, he sucked against the Commanders? Like, sucked. He was really, really bad. And he's throwing 15 interceptions this year. I just realized that's more than Josh Allen. Like, I understand Josh Allen has the most turnovers because of fumbles too. But, Dak Prescott turns the ball over a lot, and I hate guys that turn the ball over a lot. I just do. I don't like them. It's just hard to root for them because they're throwing the ball all over the place, and I'm nervous it's going to get picked, and it's going to go the other way and lead to a touchdown. And this 49ers defense is unbelievable. You got Nick Bosa. You got just guys all over the place. Dre Greenlaw, all these guys. They, they're unbelievable. They're unbelievable in the secondary. They're just a hard defense to play against. Really hard defense to play against. And I'm not very confident in the Cowboys. I just I just really am not. I think they're a good team. Good football team. But I think this 49ers team, gosh, Kyle Shanahan, man, he's unbelievable. Unbelievable coach. Like, this guy knows what he's doing. He puts people in the right situation it's just ridiculous. This, this 49ers team is so talented and I would just do the 49ers minus four and call it good, fall asleep to it. All right. Anyway, those are my picks for the matchups today. And that's going to conclude my, well, not today, tomorrow, tomorrow. I keep forgetting that. This is the pre outlook that concludes the pre outlook for tomorrow's games. But anyway, that's going to conclude Jake's takes for today. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe. Well, on this, you're going to follow on Spotify. I'm going to be coming out with a YouTube channel soon. And I'm also going to be setting up this Instagram account. It'll probably come up in the morning because I'm probably going to go to bed because it's 12.02. And if you know me, I get tired really easily. But anyways, I hope you guys are doing really well. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and I'll see you later. Peace.